This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast that covers all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be joined as always by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm hanging in there. Let's go with that. Uh, It's been a long week for me, but I'm glad to be back talking with y'all tonight. How are you doing, A.B.? Hey, I'm uh, doing fine. I'm doing just fine. I'm here. I'm about to do this podcast with my friends, so that's good. Uh, Nate, you're also here, a.k.a. Epitasis. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing pretty well. Not not a long week for me, a short week for me. Just got one day of work left here and then another long weekend, thankfully, so that's nice. Um, uh, We've really reached, I think... Uh, a low point in our uh, show opening banter, you know, having something new to talk about on a week to week basis. I mean, you know, there is the novel coronavirus pandemic occurring, which does, uh, you know, kind of limit your opportunities to do interesting new things. Uh, but yeah, I just felt like we we're going on week four or five, be like, yep, doing the podcast that we do. <laughs> What's up, guys? I I took a, a COVID test yesterday because I had kind of a scratchy throat and a headache. So I was like, oh, what the fuck? So I took the test and all I could think about as I was waiting for the results was hearing your voice say, well, I have the novel coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can uh-huh. think about. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I could bring you that uh, that little bit of, I don't know, joy, I guess. <laughs> it, yeah. it was at least something else to think about, I suppose. Well, no, it's the same thing. You're still, still thinking true. about the novel coronavirus. <laughs> uh, I was, I mean, mostly happy that I did not have the novel coronavirus, but I was... One percent sure. disappointed about not being able to, uh, you know, carry on that tradition and starting a show by saying <laughs> I have the novel coronavirus. <laughs> that would have been that would have been nice. Except the uh, the problem with that, of course, is then that would set the expectation that Mike would then have to get it in order to complete the rule of three. There, I, and I we don't mean, want that. At this point, we might as well commit to the bit. I mean, I don't want to get doomer within the first three minutes of the show, but we're all going to get this thing now. So I he's mean, not, it, he's it not will... going doomer, but he is going bug chaser. Bug chaser. I didn't know bug chaser yeah. was the thing. Yeah. Well, the coronavirus bug in this instance, <laughs> is that like a chubby chaser? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, except for like communicable diseases. What? <laughs> you only try to date people who have, the novel coronavirus right that's interesting i i do think that mike would if we both had gotten it and there was an expectation that he was going to get it i think mike would go get it to complete the set well you know he is out there licking all those floors so i you know he's yeah. right it is inevitable at this point I mean i'm triple boosted so i feel like i could lick floors even more so than usual so Who's to say that a floor might not have some of the particulate that requires communicating the novel coronavirus, so it's unlikely. Well, we, we could talk uh, Christmas. You guys want to talk Christmas? Not really. <laughs> I mean, do, do, do we need to have my campaign 
about the Eisenhower interstate system in South Carolina continue for another day? Because I will. I think we all agree that highways and cars, other than race cars, should be banned. Oh, yes, they should be banned. Yes. Right. I think we all all agree about that. Sure. We've all seen the maglev train map. I mean, we've we've seen that maybe as it goes around once every four months on Twitter. All right. Well, hmm. I guess I don't have any other things we can banter about, really. So, well, you, you know, you did have some good banter in the group DM, but I don't know that we can take it to a wider audience in terms of uh, Christmas activity. <laughs> yeah, I would say you have the most oh, interesting Christmas no. adjacent activities. I, I I don't think that you're at a place though to talk about those. No, I I will not be sharing uh, spouse Christmas party shenanigans. Spouse work Christmas party shenanigans. My spouse was not involved in any shenanigans, as far as I know. <laughs> but I was not at the Christmas party, so I, can't say. I, and I have to say, you know, by saying spouse work Christmas party shenanigans, the the the, the Minds Theater can start playing that. For yeah, whatever that we, people want to believe. We've planted a nice little seed and all the listener says we're gonna withhold the actual very good anecdote. Uh, yes. and, and listeners just invent your story. own. We'll we'll be telling that story on the Patreon for hey. uh, only eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up soon. All right. Well, everything AEW at everything AEW is our Twitter account. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya with two eyes. Um, I did. Speaking of my Twitter account there, uh, my father-in-law for Christmas decided that we should play a trivia game. And so he wrote 64 questions about Christmas movies and uh, asked them of us when, yeah, we had to write down our answers and blah, blah, blah. My wife, an insane Christmas movie watcher got like all the answers right. I knew like nothing, but there was a question about uh, Clark Griswold and what his middle initial is. Do either of you know? Going to say H. It's Clark W. Griswold. It is. And so I blurted out Clark women Griswold and it got (laughs) no reaction (laughs) whatsoever. None at all. I, I mean, you could tell that your in-laws aren't terminally online and or following you on Twitter, which, you know, that could be actually no. a good thing. You know? Oh, God. I, I quote tweeted some guy talking about a law thing I knew about and people started liking it. And I was like, fuck, if this if people really start like retweeting this or whatever, I really don't want anyone to find uh, find my account from that part of the world. And they didn't. I don't think so. It was OK. OK. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we have it linktr.ee slash everything AEW. So go there. You'll find all our links. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, Ooh. hey, go to patreon.com slash everything AEW. Hey, hey, motherfucker. <laughs> if you use the Spotify app, give us a five-star rating. Oh, that's right. They have Spotify reviews now. Not reviews. I don't think you can write reviews. Oh, good. Uh, which I'll take. Yeah, I'll take as a win. <laughs> but you can give us five juicy stars. I also I uh, saw today, thanks to our a friend of the show, T Pain, 
that uh, 315 streams on Spotify will make us $1. I don't think that actually works for us, but listen no, to the show. I yeah, I don't think we have 315 any. times. <laughs> monetization. monetization. Yeah, Sadly. we got to figure that out. We got to figure that out. Uh, okay, let's we'll do the show. Elite or delete is how we start the show. We talk about our favorite and least favorite things from the show. Uh, we'll kick it off with Nate. Uh, give us your elite pick, Nate. What was your favorite thing from tonight's show? Uh, I'm going to do a cop-out answer here. Uh, the crowd, the AEW crowd was back to their pre-pandemic levels of enhancing a show significantly. The Daily's Place, Place crowd uh, was very loud all night, very hot all night, uh, getting excited and getting into matches at the right times, reacting the intended way for most of the show. Uh, and I think they really kind of carried a show, which um, I have uh, some issues with how it was laid out. So I don't know. It, it felt like kind of a big show. It felt like a big event. I think AEW did a good job of, you know, they're very good at this, drawing attention to a dynamite and saying, hey, this is a dynamite that's special for these reasons. This one's themed after New Year's. CM Punk is going to do a promo, which he has done every single week since he's been in the company, but it's the first time he's going to do it at Daly's Place. Uh, so they're very good at kind of promoting those aspects. Um, and consequently, it kind of felt like a big, hot show, despite, um, I don't know, not being, I think, the best realized show. So feather in the cap of the AEW crowd. I noted on Twitter that, like, if you compare this AEW crowd to the Daily's Place crowd that was at Fight for the Fallen in 20, I don't know, 19? Was that the first one? Um, it, it really seems like they've come a long way. It seems like they've really done a good job. You know, really, because of the pandemic, I think, probably being there and putting on pretty good shows week after week, they've really cultivated a good home base in that Jacksonville crowd in Daily's Place, and now it's really paying off. So, uh, cop-out answer, the AEW crowd. Yeah, and the crowd for this kind of I don't want to say underwhelming show it was fine but this crowd kind of kept your attention with it and it was something that was very easy to like to uh just zone out and we'll get into the reasons why it was that way but it was just nice like the only thing I have to say is when we bring up fight for the fall in 2019 uh Nate you, you know who are the people who I miss the most in the crowd uh I do because it came up in the other group DM. Uh, oh, I wasn't I think, in that today. Yeah, so. I think I think uh, Oatgan named them. It's got to be Farah and Farah. We need Eddie back out there. I'll say one of the few highlights of my terrible Christmas travel was getting to see a whole lot of Farah and Farah signs. And each time I saw them, as someone with no connection to Jacksonville, what did I think of? Them in the front row fight for the Fallen. And got to say... Jacksonville fans, we did not have that precise level of in energy, but you had the energy up on a show that needed it. Yeah, they were definitely missed, fair and fair, uh, probably somewhere putting another tobacco company out of business. So respect to the big guys at fair and fair. It was a good crowd. And they, you know, as much as I agree that we just got the same punk thing over and over again. They fucking went nuts when punk came out. They were very excited about it. They were very excited about everything. So 
Yeah, it, absolutely. 100% was a good crowd. Also a show where it was probably a lot more fun live than on TV because, you know, if you're just like hit a bunch of multi-man car crash matches where it's like, oh, that's exciting and fun to watch live and maybe kind of runs together uh, on TV. Yeah, and I don't even think it was really a, I think it was a better than fine show. I thought it was a pretty good show, but I think that was mostly on the strength of really the crowd making it feel like a more fun live event than just the matches in a vacuum would have been. Uh, so yeah, enhancing the show, they're good. All right, Mike, uh, it's your turn. What was your favorite thing from this week's show? If you want to talk about other ways to keep people's attention on this show, and in a, in a show that had a lot of uh, people on the apron, it is being active and being a wild person on the apron. And no one was better at this tonight than Daniel Garcia. I felt like Daniel Garcia was such a highlight and kind of differentiated his match from the other multi-man matches on the show just because he's willing just to endlessly, you know, just trash talk Eddie Kingston on the apron going around and, and attacking Eddie while he was on the apron. And in a lot of ways, this was a match that everyone's happy that Satana Ortiz, like, well, I, I feel like that's well trodden ground about Satana Ortiz should be on TV more, even like in this context. But it was something that added just a little hint of something into this match, a little, a little extra spice into it that, you know, the crowd could react to saying like these two guys just really dislike each other on the apron and the way they play that match. And I feel like that, Daniel Garcia in this match was the thing that like really like got me invested into a match that, you know, just kind of was based in something and he held up his end of the deal to such a degree that I felt like that it was the best thing from this match and outside it actually including uh, the crowd's reaction to the Jericho run in afterwards. Yeah. I thought that match was kind of the standout in that it didn't just feel like a, uh, multi-man car crash kind of deal, which don't get me wrong. I love the multi-mans and the car crashes and the high energy that they do in those uh, multi-man matches. But yeah, Daniel Garcia brought a lot to it, uh, you know, and Eddie's the perfect partner for him on that or the perfect uh, guidepost for him on that because Eddie was also doing a lot. You know, he'd leave his spot in the corner to come all the way down to the other corner and start yelling at, at Daniel Garcia across the ring. That was great. Um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know if I'd want to put all of the, give all the credit to Eddie Kingston. Uh, I'm kind of inclined to, but just because I'm so bought in on Eddie Kingston and everything he does always just feels so real for that reason, this being like a, Hey, you attacked me and now we're in a grudge and I'm in a feud with you. And we're going to have a big six man where I want to kick your ass, uh, made that feel distinct from just a, you know, we're throwing five guys together in the ring to go and do all the big spots and the dives and et cetera. Uh, so yeah, uh, DG and EK, both very good professional wrestling. I got some banter for you, Nate. Banter, banner, Thank God. I said. Banter. Uh, black metal. What, what do you know about black metal? Uh, I don't like metal. <laughs> you don't like any metal at all? No, I don't. Have um, you ever liked so, any metal? No. I came to a, I came to a, a, a fork in the road as a younger man and 
you know, I mean, part of, part of my theory of liking things is that it's all, you know, kind of arbitrary anyway. You can kind of pick and choose these things. Uh, and I said, well, if I'm going to listen to terrible music, I either have like awful pop music or metal music. Uh, and at least if I listen to awful pop music, I'll have that in common with like attractive girls and not <laughs> long haired metal freaks. Uh, apologies to all the <laughs> our wow. Discord is full of metal heads. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm personally slighted a little bit here. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, so I don't know anything about black metal. Don't care for it. Um, you know, if I had to pick a metal band that I like, it would be the one Metallica song on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, and that's it. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, lots of, beautiful, lots of beautiful women and men like metal. And non-binary yeah, well, these, sure. these are the, the decisions of a, uh, a a younger, less worldly Nate. I see. Okay, well, that, yeah, I can get that. Uh, the reason I ask is that uh, in this match, we had Santana Ortiz and Ortiz, his face paint, uh, our, our friend Chelsea in the Discord, who's going to be very upset about your comment, pointed out that Ortiz looked like, I don't know, is it Abbeth? Uh I'm not sure what the pronunciation me? is, yeah. but well, I'm not. I'm yeah, just saying believe, it so that people can yell at their at their phone about it. Yeah, Great. I believe it's Abbott. I join in on piling on if I'm wrong too. Yeah, um, uh, Norwegian black metal yeah. band, and the face paint is okay. the same or similar. So it seemed. I mean, I know I knew he wasn't doing Kiss, but it seemed Kiss adjacent. Uh, Santana's looks better. I don't know why they do the paint all the time now. I don't like that. I when they brought it out for like big special matches, that was cool. And now they're just like <laughs> they're getting attacked backstage and Ortiz is just wearing it in the back and it's like, so you guys are just like more face paint guys now? I I don't understand that. It's a face you, paint company think, though. That's true. Too many of them. Do you think Ortiz listens to black metal? Well, do we think he made the decision about what kind of paint he was going to wear on his face? Sure. I guess. I guess he you does. You think somebody he just must. painted it on his face, just whatever they wanted to paint? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, they the, beat Ortiz the in this glam match, squad? Right? No, they beat, did they beat Santana in this match? They beat Santana. They beat yeah. Santana, yes. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Santana. Nothing. Yeah. Okay, I think that makes it my turn. I'm going to go uh, way off the board here. And I'm going to give my elite pick. <laughs> it's going to be unpopular. To Brian Pillman Jr. How is that this. off the board? Off it's the pretty board. Off the board. Pretty, pretty I mean, it's literally segment. on the board, but because I put it on there. Like, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, the, I, I'm just piercing holes in your off the board no, pick because no I people. believe in honesty. With our listeners. <laughs> uh, you all would not have picked this, I don't think. Um, You're in the I, tank I think, for this guy. Uh, yeah, I think I'm well known as uh, the world's number one Brian Pillman Jr. fan. I thought he really delivered here. It started off, I was a little concerned about it, but I think he really hit his stride here as just like, you know, uh, mid 80s, early 90s guy who played football. And somehow just ended up having to be a wrestler because he blew out his knee 
And it's just out here to tell you why he doesn't like the bad guy. I just thought he fucking rocked at it. He was just randomly yelling things. Malachi! I thought that was great. I just, I loved everything about this. I'm excited for the match. Yeah, I'm. he was bang on doing exactly that. And he's good at it. And he has been good at it. Um, I wouldn't pick it as my elite just because it was kind of minor. But then... Honestly, I think maybe the other strength of this show besides the crowd was they they got a lot done efficiently in this. You know, they had a lot of these interview segments to keep the show moving briskly, had a bunch of well-done video packages to remind you of the other people who are, you know, not on TV this week. Um, but Pillman's, I don't think, especially stood out to me. I will say he's a very convincing babyface in that mold, like you said. Can you imagine how much we'd be into Brian Pillman Jr. if he just didn't have social media, if he was Juice Robinson and he had no Twitter account. Oh, he'd, miles he'd, more. We'd treat him like Hook. We'd be like, holy shit, this guy's got it all. He's. We'd be like, oh, he's probably smart. <laughs> okay, I, th- I think you're pushing it a little. <laughs> if he had no tweets, if he had no Instagram, imagine. Uh... He'd, he'd basically be Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> be a huge fucking star. I don't know what what the urge of, of these people making money to go on Twitter and just be like, "Hi, I have to tell everyone how fucking stupid I am today." Like <laughs> me, I got a fucking nine to five. I'm bored out of my head. You know, I don't ha- I don't make enough money to keep me super entertained at all hours. I have good reason to go on Twitter and tell everyone how fucking stupid I am. But if you're on TV, <laughs> you already have a big platform. I don't get it. This is one of my most deeply held beliefs that if you are rich, and I'm not saying Brian Hill Jr. is rich, but if you are like not having to work a nine to five like us, it is fucking insane to have a oh. Twitter account. Insane. It, it's pathetic, one. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is also insane. I mean, I, it, it's just. I don't want to like, I don't want to just call it mental illness, but it's definitely like addictive something like Chrissy Teigen. Like what? Yeah. Just fully immolated her entire life, even though she's like, oh, I'm a supermodel. I'm married to a rich singer. I need to go on Twitter and just fucking show my whole ass 15 times a year uh, because I can't just do anything else. I can't spend my millions of dollars on, I don't know, safaris on the moon. Jesus. I, I think my I'll extend that even a little bit further, Nate. If you have any sort of public notoriety that has you on basic cable, you hand your social media accounts and you have an email address and that you have a media manager, you have all of them take care of. It's like if I want to post something, I will send you a text and you can do this. Like it makes yeah. no sense whatsoever for anyone at like a certain level of renown to be personally and control their social media it's i mean yeah uh, you can have your assistant like go through and find some cute little mentions for you to like give a you know dwayne rock johnson reply to like hey i'm a big star and i saw your little mention here i'm gonna give you a shout out and then everybody thinks you're so cool (laughs) but you, you don't have to do it at all have nothing to do with it you know then you don't have to be one of these other millionaires like you know, Grimes on Twitter crying about how everyone's so mean to her and the mentions. Stop fucking reading your mentions. Close your account. I don't know. It's it's 
it's really it, it i guess it is a little edifying in that it's like oh yeah you can uh be rich and be a, a famous creative and just get to make music and be creative all day uh and be handsomely rewarded for it and still just be miserable <laughs> i guess that's like kind of educational but i i just don't think that would be me i would be like you know what if i really have to go read stupid tweets all day i'll make a little burner account and then i'll <laughs> read tweets and be annoying that way this weird be like that. They have to be on there under their real name. It's like, no, I can't just go on here and read the tweet. I, I mean, th- there are certain EVPs in this promotion that that tried the whole burner account thing years ago. So, and, and I forgot who was the person in politics who was caught with a burner account that Ashley Feinberg found out. Was it James Comey? Uh, yes, Ashley Feinberg found his. Um, yeah, that was a pretty good one. My my promise to the listeners is that if I ever get any level of rich, I will never tweet again. I will log off forever until I'm yeah, until no, I blow I, all my money and I'm not rich anymore. <laughs> right now, you will you will never hear from me again. I will change my number. <laughs> okay, well now you all would hear from me. I could, God, I couldn't just leave fine. the DM, could I? <laughs> fine. No, I would have to because uh, at least one DM we're in, the primary purpose is just sharing people's dumb tweets, and I wouldn't need that <laughs> enjoyment anymore. Yes, right. I don't think. And then, the, and then, well, never mind. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Was this what uh, are dumb tweets, like people talking about dumb tweets, is this like our version of Gilded Age or Roaring Twenties, like – cocktail parties like look at this asshole over here side talk like is this like our downton abbey ass shit um no i i think it's a little sadder than that Uh, (laughs) oh oh, no it's entirely sad yeah like i'm not patting ourselves on the back or the internet on their back whatsoever for this to be clear uh the metaphor i think is if we were like uh, gilded age aristocrats and we went to Coney Island and went down the, the boardwalk and looked at all the freaks on the in the freak show. Yeah. And then told each other about what we saw that the freaks did. <laughs> and then for weeks later brought back up this thing we saw a freak do one time. <laughs> did you see what that freak ordered at the automat? <laughs> And then when we're at home <laughs> with our family and we're eating dinner and they say something that reminds us of something that freaked this, this one we... might just be you, Aaron. This one might just be you. Uh, I had to send this telegram to the Bentley household that, that is just Lancaster's automat lunch. <laughs> you see Nate yeah. got the reference I was making there. Oh, I, I got it. I got it. Uh, yeah. I, like... I love an automat lunch. I don't know, 20% of my life is like saying something dumb out loud to my wife and then deciding whether to explain it. And if I do, her just like staring at me uh, in in amazement. We have some real, I, I don't know how to describe the vibes we have tonight, but I'm kind of appreciating it. We, we found the banter, folks. It's here. We've located it. All right, listener elite, if you want to have a listener elite or delete. You just got to subscribe to the Patreon, join the Discord. There's a whole channel and everything. I think I I think I think picked tables last week. I'm sorry to everyone. I'm picking it again. We're picking table again. Uh, our good friend and patron, I am the table elite. 
Mercedes Martinez back in AEW. Yeah, Mercedes Martinez is good and cool. So that's a good add. Um, good pairing, I think, with Jade and Smart and Mark Sterling. I think that's a, a, a fine little unit or whatever. Um, yeah. Good ad. Good talent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, I remember in 2019 where, when we were all bummed that Mercedes Martinez didn't show up after being the Joker at All Out. The fact that she didn't land there, but great pickup. I mean, in a week of great appearances with like dignitaries such as Ho-Ho Loon making appearances on dark tapings, Mercedes Martinez, they're just bringing in all the hits today, you know? And I, I mean, this is someone that I think for the state of the women's division with how young some of the wrestlers in the women's division are in their career. Having Mercedes Martinez around is just an overall positive. Like there's no way to walk away from this and think this is a bad pickup. Yeah. I'd probably be higher on it if they had the tag division that they should have done instead of a singles title tournament. Cause then you could have Jade and Mercedes as a team. And then you could have Jade come in and do her, three spots that she's really good at. And then she could get the hell out of the ring and let Mercedes carry the match. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about it is I'm happy that Mercedes is here and I like Mercedes, but I've literally seen this movie when it was Jamie doing the same thing. And now Jamie is a non-entity. So, you know, okay, cool. Glad she's here. Also, is this the surprise that Tony Khan was, uh, was telling us about on Twitter before the show? Yeah. I think so. I mean, the landscape and wrestling has shifted once again, Aaron. I guess it has. I guess it has. All right. Well, I'm not sure that that was the most positive elite section of the show of all time, but now we're going to move on to the negative part. Uh, so let's talk about the things we didn't like. Nate, what was your delete pick from tonight? Yeah, Every match on this show was the heel team winning by interference, except for the Wardlow match, which was uh, a squash by the heel. <laughs> um, and I guess this is maybe a safe place that you can do that kind of booking. You can go, hey, Jacksonville, we know we're going to come back to you guys. We know that you're going to support us. Uh, we're just going to have the heels win over and over again. That's that's probably one thing. That's probably fine. Also, the you know the heels in the main event, those are very popular heels. You can have those guys win. It's basically like having a baby faces win. Uh, but the fucking interference of cheating just all the way up and down the show became very grating. Just like, okay, yeah, no, you, you can just interfere now. It's basically legal in this promotion. Uh, and yeah, even the Mercedes Martinez thing was like, that's exactly how they introduced Kyle O'Reilly. It's like having him get the having them come from the outside attack and get the win for the heel team. Um, so that was tiresome to me. I was like, I would like to go back to just like, I don't know, some more conservative wrestling where it's like clean pinfalls, not attack angles after every single match. Um, yeah. It's something that like, there's a Venn diagram in the matches on this show and it's either teammates not getting along or it's interference leading into the finish and we had some matches that you know the venn diagram overlapped here and 
it was something that kind of got really notable towards the end where it's like, oh, wait, we have both teammates not being able to be on the same page, but we also have interference for them. And you're just like, oh, they're just going to try to take these two tropes and just do every spin on it possible. So I, I, I totally get this. I, I guess, like, I'm of the opinion that, like, yes, this is this should be, like, and it was treated like a bigger show because last show on TNT, last show 2021, they've made Daily's Place in the the last night of my 2021. And Nate winces as I said that because he's yeah, no, clarification. I, I, I was not I was not wincing at that actually. I was wincing at this being the last show on TNT, and if this is what you want to put on TV to right. draw people to to tune into TBS. I mean, you certainly want to run some kind of angles to have a hook for hey, follow us to the new network to see how this is going to resolve. Um, but I don't know if you want to do heat all the way up and down the show with interference and cheating in every single match and then go, hey, you want some more of that? Come to TBS next week. Yeah, and, and like that's the thing is like you had all this happening that would make this show have a lot of importance, but it did not really feel like my I didn't come away with this thinking that this was that big of a show afterwards. And instead I'm like looking at this like, oh, it's the holiday week. It's the, the time period between Christmas and New Year's because of how this the the uh calendar laid out. You just kind of had a dead week in here. So just I don't want to say mailing in, but it kind of felt mailed in in a way. And I think the finishes were reflective of that. Yeah, it seems like a bad time to mail it in. <laughs> <laughs> when they did a pretty good number saying no you're right i'm just saying they no, did a pretty good number last week it'll probably be a decent um audience and now what's the excitement to go to follow them to a different channel well yeah i want to I, I don't think they they don't think they mailed it in i think there's a distinction between like what they put on this show to have big matches and make it feel like a big event and a, and what matches and people they're putting on the tbs to make it feel like something you've got to tune into those. I think they did a pretty good job at like, Oh, you have uh dread dragon and Adam Cole against best friends with orange Cassidy. That's like a big, good main event match that you can probably rely on to be good uh, in Daly's place. Um, you've got, you know, all of your stars in the opening match with the five, you've got Chris Jericho returning and, and him setting up the feud with Eddie. You've got Brian Danielson and hangman going to that next week. All those are like good, big idea booking things where it kind of feels mailed in is when you get into the details and it's like, how do we get from this match to this match to, you know, this interview to this promo or whatever. Uh, and we just hear him playing the same note a lot. It's like, well, yeah, the heel team has a new friend and they attack him, Uh, and then they have a feud and then the other two teams, aren't on the same page and the stable is breaking apart. I think Excalibur did literally do a, uh, what's, what's the trope, the, the WWE trope. Can they get along? Can they coexist? Can they coexist? Excalibur literally said, can they coexist about the main event match? Um, and they're trying to sell us on this idea of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly being the ones at odds, which I guess you have to have watched NXT to follow, which I didn't. Uh, because it was bad. Um, so I'm like, was Excalibur doing that with a wink? Like, hey, we're making fun of the WWE thing. Because it didn't feel like 
he seems like he would make that as a joke, but the way he delivered it did not feel like a joke. It just felt like, no, we're literally doing Can They Coexist? Yeah, it reminds me of uh, our, our good friend AT, what he was saying a couple of weeks ago. Is it just like, I don't know, maybe when you ha- when you do this stuff every week, you kind of, the easiest thing to do is just to do the same thing over and over. You're just like, fuck it, let's just do another interference, whatever. That's easier than coming up with, with something new or fresh. But I'm with what you said in the at first, Nate. If if you want to do the same thing over and over again, just do clean finishes over and over again. Yes. I think that's a yeah. much better thing to revert to than yes, uh, what they're doing. Absolutely. That's a much cleaner and uh, safer and easier way to do the same thing over and over again. That's why, you know, when New Japan does things the same way over and over again, like they really do them the same way over and over and over and over again because they're running these house shows and all this shit up and down the country. And it's like, no, we need to make this get over to every single one of our audiences, not just our Corkland audience or whatever. Um, but, you know, I I think it's also pretty hard. There's only so many ways you can dress up a wrestling attack angle. And like most feuds are going to be built around an attack angle of some kind, right? Um, but they their bag of tricks in terms of how many ways they have to set these things up and how many ways they have to have one team breaking apart or whatever. Uh, I feel like they hit the bottom of the bag of the tricks like sometime in year one, and they've been pretty good about recycling a lot of them. Um, but I, yeah, it would be much more gratifying if their bag of tricks were like five times the size and we'd be like not hitting those same notes over and over again. I mean, you know, part of it is also just like wrestling fatigue in general on that. Like I've been watching wrestling for two decades plus or whatever. So it's like, I have a pretty good idea of how this shit's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing you say about new Japan, it's like, yeah, they do. I haven't watched new Japan in some time, but I, I'm assuming this has not changed that they do. Uh, you know, the guy comes out to challenge the other guy after the match. And that's like what they do all the time. But to me, that is still more satisfying than attack angles after every match. It's much cleaner. Yeah. It, yeah. It's cleaner. It It's like, yes, that's what happens all the time. But it's it's part of the structure, the sports structure of the promotion that it's like, no, this is just the way the system works. You know, this is just the team making the playoffs or whatever. Uh Whereas an AEW, it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, they got to do an attack, and then the one team challenges the other team, and they accept it, and then Tony books the match and a graphic. Uh, and it, yeah, it just, when you play that note over and over again, it just comes off a little bit phonier every time. And there was something interesting about that on this show, which is that Kyle O'Reilly interview backstage, you know, the segment they did with the Young Bucks, and they walk off, and it makes Bobby Fish walk off. And he says to Adam Cole, the way you thrive in this promotion is in factions. And I thought that was really interesting. One, because it's like a character coming into this world and correctly looking at the landscape of that world and diagnosing it and uh, integrating it, which is like, I think really smart. Like I thought that was a really good promo from- I'd even call it lampshading. Oh, wow. Yes, we could call it lampshading. Uh, but at the same time, like the what's undergirding that is that, well, you have to attack other people with your faction to have a feud. That's like the only way that any stories happen in this company. I mean, they are literally telling us another 
uh, faction dissension storyline uh, to debut these guys. So it's it's good in that it makes sense uh, from a character perspective, but it's also like, goddamn, let's do something else. Yeah. All right. Mike, you want to tell us something you didn't like from the show? Yeah, and I'm going to compliment Sandwich this uh, just because it, it's something that I think it came out in the end best for all parties to kind of get this match over with, but it just was not really what it, what I think was best for really anyone involved, and that is uh, Thunder Rosa and Jade Cargill. Uh, when you look at how they've handled Jade Cargill and how what well, what you've seen and how a lot of this stuff ends up being these absolutely dominant squash matches that one would think that you you would want to keep kind of still Goldberg style protector and then you would have someone like Thunder Rosa who would be like the perfect person for like guiding her through like this kind of match and going off of like the interference stuff and like the match finish stuff it just it, it was something that I'm glad that match is over with. I'm glad that now uh, Jade is moving on. Jade's now in the finals. And I feel like that that's like the person that they've obviously put all the time and faith into that it's time to see her at the head of that division, and especially as it starts off here. And then this lets Rosa move on here. But this match just, in a lot of ways, did not come off very well to me well like i didn't enjoy this match when i kind of came in this match like this was the match that was like most built up on over tv over the last few weeks in the tbs tournament and i felt like it was kind of a letdown yeah i was ready for my review of this match i was gonna go hey guys was this jade cargill's best match ever like when it started yeah this was like uh, a big step forward singles match right yeah and it didn't didn't really happen um I think even had it been a really good match, I think I probably would have still been sour about the ending. Even with, you know, the value added of Mercedes Martinez, I would have been like, well, you know, another cheating heel under finish interference finish. Uh, you know, they're going to protect Rosa. They can't just have her get a clean loss or whatever, which is probably the right decision. But like, I'm, you know, maybe there's a, maybe that exposes the flaw of doing again, this singles tournament for the women's title and putting your most over or second most over woman in it so that you have to beat her at some point, or you have to give her another title, which keeps her away from the person people actually want to see her feud with who has the other title. Um, so I don't get it. I, you know, I guess it's functional, but, uh, didn't just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, where was, where was AT's comments on this? Cause I thought his, something he said, Oh, Oh, what he, what, what Aaron said about, how they they really hid Hook in this promotion, or they introduced Hook in this promotion, and really gave him a slow burn. Of like, hey, you're gonna see this character Hook, and they're gonna wonder what his deal is, and he's gonna be on TV, and he's gonna get TV reps, and he's gonna be ringside for all these matches. Uh, and then when we're ready to use him, and when he's ready, we're gonna put him on. He's gonna blow everybody away. That's pretty much what happened. Uh, and Jade, <laughs> just they did the polar opposite, which is like. We have no idea who the fuck Jade Cargill is. She's going to show up. She's going to do a promo opposite, you know, one of our big stars, Cody Rhodes, and she's going to have to carry an acting promo. Uh, and then we're going to put her in a match and program with Shaq uh, and then, you know, find some reason to not give her a hard push after all of that investment. 
uh, because she's not really ready for it yet. And we're just not willing to do squash matches. Uh, and then consequently, like now we're like three years into the Jade project and she's hasn't really progressed uh, to the point where it's like, oh yeah, no, she's, she's the truth. She can carry a singles title and carry a division. Uh, it just doesn't feel like that's true. And it feels like that's uh, probably a symptom of how they've tried to bring her along. And if they're going to make her the TBS champion, you can only assume because that's how it works in this company that she will proceed to have 12 to 15 minute singles matches as she defends her title. And it's going to be a fucking disaster. It's going to be bad. And I, and it's going to be bad for her as like a character, as an actual wrestler, as everything. Like it's just going to hurt her act and what she's trying to do. It's very strange. Uh, the whole thing is strange. I mean, the main thing I was thinking about, Nate, when you said like, well, why would you put this like super over person who has to lose in this singles tournament? They missed even their own trick, which is like, why not have Rosa lose the match to Jamie with Brit's interference? And you continue building up the Brit and Rosa thing. Jamie can lose to Jade. If if they put any care into this at all, you can build up Jamie for a few weeks where she beats people, you know, and she feels like she's uh, big and tough and, you know, big enough to take on Jade. And then Jade beats her. But what they do here, I don't see how it helps anybody. Jade isn't help because if you just give her a strong win over Rosa... That's great for her. And I don't think it really hurts Rosa. It's not like she's really pushed in the company anyway. And when they decide to heat her up to take on Brit, I don't think anyone will care that she lost to Jade. Plus, it sets up a, a story down the line between Rosa and Jade in the future. So I, I just don't understand the point of everything that happened here. Here's what they should do is Jade beats Ruby in the finals wins the belt, and then just takes the microphone and goes, I wouldn't be here without my girl Mercedes Martinez, uh, so I'm going to defend this title as tag team titles with me and Mercedes and just make it a tag team title. And just, I mean, that, that was the original sin of this this whole era of the women's division, this, I don't know, two-year era of the women's division that this tournament has felt like. Um, is just doing a singles tournament when the division can't support it and another title. Uh, and it the division is in need of a uh a, a a vehicle for getting a bunch of women more reps on tv just make it a tag team title just say hey i won the title i couldn't have done it without mercedes because she just won that match for her. um so we're going to be tag team champions now tbs tag team champions uh and that solves it and you know you kind of have a little validity to that as a title thing because she won the title and she's making that declaration and it's something with like the idea of this being a team belt some of the best stuff that's been happening in the women's division are the trios matches on elevations there are like the tag team matches that they put together on dark so in a lot of ways and i mean they're, they're about to feature uh, like the big like tag team women's feud like in a blow-off match on rampage so it, it seems like that's where the magic is happening right now. And that's also letting people like Anna J develop. It's like, look, it allows other wrestlers to, you know, get more experience. Like the fact that like people get to go and even if it's on YouTube, get three minutes in the ring on Amy Sakura, that's like televised and be able to do this and be able to learn from that. 
you're able to do that a lot more with like a dedicated tab team or trios division than you would having a secondary singles title. I was getting excited. I, I just saw the the rampage spoiler teased, um, which is goes exactly to what you were saying about the multi woman matches being a highlight. That team CZW took it back to ninety nine on rampage and had a kick ass street fight in that women's tag team match, uh, and they went crazy. So yeah, fucking they have they can get all these teams online. And you can do cool stuff with women's tag teams. So that's that's going to be, I think, probably the best thing on either of these shows. I'm making that prediction. I was also getting excited about things being teased, but it was uh, Lenny Litter taking it back to 99. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lenny emoji, just going, eh. <laughs> we love Lenny Leonard on the show. This is we a do. pro Lenny zone for sure. All right, I'm going to uh, take my delete and uh, run it together with the listener delete from our friend Rawl. Rawl is online, who deletes the Lambert Brandy segment. He says, one of the more pathetic attempts by Cody to gain some sympathy, and I definitely didn't like realizing that Brandy is also part of the Britt Baker tier of the AEW women's division. Man, this, this is tough. This is tough to – so the the segment was kind of well executed, right? Like Dan Lambert had good lines and is super over as a heel and everyone hates him. The problem there is that he's feuding with Cody Rhodes, who is also hated by a lot of the crowd. So it totally undercuts everything Lambert's trying to do and undercuts him as a character. And then Brandy – also had good lines and got good reactions. You know, I'm saying good lines like in the context of pro wrestling disses. But like this, this does not at all help really anyone with what they're trying to accomplish, putting Brandy out here and, and adding fuel to the fire of Cody overexposing himself. Cody, uh, you know, pushing himself too much as a baby face or whatever. Brandy being over pushed or over featured and Cody having, um, you know, too much stroke in the back to make that happen or whatever it is like her coming out here and having these disses just made Dan Lambert sound more correct about all of his criticisms of Tony Khan's or of Cody sucking up to Tony Khan. So it's a self-defeating angle in that way. It's like, People don't want to see Brandy. I'm sorry. I, she had good lines. There was a time when I was like, okay, I like, I like Brandy. You know, she's kind of clever. She can kind of promo. Um, you know, she was trying her best in the matches or whatever. But I don't know. I don't know how you how you fix Brandy when she's tied to Cody, who is very broken as a character currently. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head saying like that there's good stuff in here just the execution and everyone involved here just completely kind of like tanked it and it it's also like such a difficult kind of thing just because of Lambert just uh, he doesn't really like have like an honor he doesn't really have the knob for like the intensity and like how he's trying to do his act and 
sometimes he has it all the way turned on and sometimes it's turned off like there's no like right in the middle like well and not necessarily even consistency with it and it, it's something that's like so brandy's getting involved with this like are we to believe that we're getting Paige Van Zant versus Brandy Rhodes? And doesn't that perpetuate the ideas that you were saying, Nate, in a way? Like, like, does that do anything really to either fix the situation of Cody, either deliver it to some sort of conclusion that's satisfactory, and overall, like, kind of play into the overall all miasma with it? And I don't know how you're able to do that with this segment. I don't know like how other than setting up Cody versus Ethan Page was set up from this segment, but really no interaction with them to set this up whatsoever. And you, you did not get to that conclusion from that segment from the conclusion we got, Oh, Brandy was really about to try to take it to Dan Lambert, but Dustin Rhodes got crossfired, and that's what he got for like just standing up for his sister-in-law. So it just was very weird. I love the idea of like, hmm, everybody's booing Cody. But what if we send Brandy out? I think the crowd will will go crazy. They'll just love Brandy. It's like the crowd has never really liked Brandy. Yeah. And it's not even this crowd, which is like the Daily's Place crowd, the most home crowd for AEW, you know, Cody Rhodes. Oh, sometimes uh, there's home games and away games. Well, buddy, <laughs> this is the fucking home game, my man. You, you own the building. <laughs> yeah. And and they go crazy for everything that happens except you. So, yeah, it's bad. It's just going to get yeah, worse. I, want that, I mean, you don't put them in a program opposite the most overheel in the company, Dan Lambert. And unless the idea is that you want them to be baby faces, like, and and like you said, if they think that sending Brandy out there opposite Dan Lambert instead of Cody is going to babyface Brandy or Cody, uh, then it's really a remarkable misreading of the audience. And and people, I mean, they're just I don't know why, but people will just keep saying no. No, Cody is actually uh, doing this brilliant thing where he is turning heel and he's playing a delusional character. No, he's just fucking delusional. That's not a character, <laughs> folks. It's it. I mean, I, I, I can understand how if you want to find that reading, you can find that reading because. uh you know, there's enough, there's enough little, you know, pieces of evidence or whatever that you can cherry pick and go, well, look at this shirt and look what he said in this interview that you can, you can find that reading if you want to. Um, but I, it, it, I don't know that it makes a difference so much, <laughs> uh, well, until well, they I mean, pull the trigger really. And if, they, and if they don't pull the trigger, then it, it, we're just, you know, I don't, I don't care if Cody gets the reaction that they want. Or Brandy gets the reaction with that they want. I, I don't, you know, I don't care about that because there's still going to be very live segments. He's still going to get big reactions. That's definitely going to remain true. What I care about is when you undercut these other acts, like Dan Lambert, like Dan Lambert, the most overheel in the company, just coming off this program with the Chris Jericho. Uh, 
you have the babyface going out there and proving him correct about all of his criticisms. <laughs> and uh, I don't think that's what you want. So you're you're undercutting Dan Lambert's act. He's supposed to be like bad faith criticisms of AEW from Jim Cornette. And now you're going out there and going, ah, actually, you're, you're kind of right about this thing. Um, you know, and Sammy, they didn't give Sammy anything. This is going to stick in my craw. And I'm also annoyed. People, you know, say, ah, oh, Sammy's reign sucked. Sammy fucking made so much hay out of the limited opportunities they gave him. They gave him Bobby Fish, Ethan Page, Jay Lethal, Tony Nese. Those four guys who, you know, I barely want to see those four guys against Brian Danielson. Uh, and Sammy went out there and fucking worked his ass off and got pretty good matches out of all of them. Uh, even though the few the the feuds were set up by like Tony Nese sitting in the audience and then putting his knee into Sammy's ribs. Uh, and Sammy still made those matches work. Uh, but then he just runs into this freight train that is Cody. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, sorry about that, but we're going to put the belt on Cody now. Uh, and then you, and, and they, then you look at what they gave him this week and it's, he's going back to his year one gimmick. Like I know that, you noted on the fight feed that the crowd is reacting really positively and popping for it, but it kind of makes you believe that, like, going along with what you're saying, that this how run was set to fail, and this is something, and I'm not going political hit here, this showed what the company really sees in Sammy Guevara. You know, they don't see him as, like, that main eventer. They see him as, like, oh, yeah, he will go out there and he'll give us the good matches, but then we'll have him do his like standard stuff, you know? Yeah. They also got to get that vest off of him. The vest does not work for him at all. My theory is that uh, it's punishment for doing the uh, proposal on TV. I had that thought. I had that thought, but as I've, as I've said that, the blame for the proposal on TV should fall on Tony Khan for being so naive as to put that on his television show. You know, Absolutely. Sammy's a 20, I don't know what he is, 26 year old kid or something, which is, you know, I, I, he's like, he's like a little older than you think he is. Maybe he's 28. I don't know. Uh, but Tony Khan should know Tony Khan, as Dave Meltzer has said, you've heard him say on audio hundreds of times, you got to study the history of the business. Yeah, but you know how uh, you know how management is, Nate. Going to punish labor regardless. So yeah, but I, I've decided uh, it's it's retaliation for uh, doing that on TV and then breaking that does, up. That does kind of make it funny in a, in a way <laughs> that I like, though. Petty, sure. Yeah, yeah. If that was true, and you know they they laundered that news out somewhere that this is why the belt came off Sammy because uh, you know. You got bad Twitter mentions. Um, <laughs> that that would make me laugh in a way that I would go, okay, it's, it's, I kind of like it now. The, the 2022 version of Bill Watts firing anyone who lost a bar fight. Right. Yes. Bad Twitter mentions, Sammy. Although if that were true. You're, you're on uh, TV. Yeah. You, you're on TV. Get, get off the uh, Twitter. Well, there's been other yeah. people being owned on Twitter lately who uh, continue to be featured, so... Not sure that's what's happening. Let's get into the rest of the show. Kicked off the show with Jurassic Express. 
Christian Cage and the Lucha Brothers versus FTR, Matt Hardy, Private Party. Uh, FTR bald pin Christian Cage after the big rig. Yeah, this was really like quintessential AEW hot multi-man opener. Um, and it was good. Uh, I liked Private Party getting some more time back on TV. Uh, I, I feel like I've said this a lot, but, uh, you know, that, I think they've really come along as like characters. Uh, and so I hope they continue to get some opportunities in that regard. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville has been Luchasaurus country and it kind of threw me back to that first <laughs> a fight for the fallen in this match like they were chanting for Luchasaurus and then we got the Matt Cardona I mean they're, they're in Daly's place so you have to do the Matt Cardona hot tag with him and they got really into it, it, it this show or this match really was like house show Wednesday vibes to me but in a way that I still kind of enjoyed it and it just was something that I liked like before before we got into the sameness it was nice kind of coming out to this match and it just being like all right the hot crowd and the hot crowds going nuts and th- at least at this point i felt like that they started the show pretty strongly even though if this match kind of droned on a little bit and we had the eddie kingston and santana ortiz versus daniel garcia in 2.0 match matt lee rolled up santana uh then jericho cleared the ring afterwards eddie and Jericho got in each other's faces. Ortiz split them up. So yeah, we're going uh, to that story next. Then we had MJF backstage with Wardlow and Sean Spears. I uh, talks about Sting throwing him over the ropes last week. It was reckless. Uh, who trained this guy anyway? He says Punk is running from him. He tells Wardlow to stop with the power bombs and start racking up wins to get into the face of the Revolution ladder match. Uh, because he knows he'll win it, and then he has to give his title opportunity ugh, to MJF. Uh, and then they bring in Mark Sterling to show that the contract says that Wardlow must do this. Was it contract? Was it match or title opportunities, or was it titles relinquished upon winning? Because I thought that's what Sterling said when he was doing the lawyer fast talk through the uh, small text. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I do like uh, Smart Mark Sterling is like a recurring figure in the little universe here of like, oh, I can come and do some expository dialogue about contracts because I'm a lawyer in this universe. Uh, that's a, just a funny little fix they have for pro wrestling contract logic. Yeah. And the fact that like he has the MJF continuity from the John Moxley feud. So that was kind of cool. Uh, I'm kind of tired and... It's something I'm kind of tired of this, and it's something that I know that that, that he's kind of doing this as a as a point as a heel tactic. But the contract war 2024 stuff just feels trite, considering nearly everyone else from like that generation of people in the company have already signed the extension. So he's probably already signed that extension. So unless he's talking about his next extension, it just kind of feels like overwrought in a way that it it was it was interesting like the first time but now it's kind of you know just hammering that point home a whole lot and i don't know if it's necessarily working yeah Yeah, yeah, i think it's fine mostly um i i think punk had a good line about it later that kind of made it work for me um not that i can bring it to mind (laughs) um (laughs) 
it does it doesn't bother me um i i as far as the mjf and punk feud and i'll lump in a little bit of what punk said here i thought this was a pretty good week for kind of advancing that because you know you had mjf doing the heelish thing of running away from punk and then saying that punk was ducking him uh and punk saying okay you know fine we're done you know i don't need you um but you know if someone happens to get in the way of your quest for the world title i think that's a good progression and evolution of that feud uh, largely because it was like two separate promos and punk's pretty solid and you know kind of directs it in the way of hey these guys are going to be involved in some sort of physical competition for the aw ranking system and punk's going to maybe going to mess with mjf's position in that ranking system uh and it's not like hey we're going to go have five-star promo battles in the ring and act out skits or whatever so i thought it was kind of a positive uh step for the the whole program in that regard i mean i really hated that punk promo just really thought it was awful. I thought it was pretty good. You know, it, it's the same thing that I had complained about him doing in like week four or whatever, where he was doing the John Cena voice of the company thing that Moxley had been doing for a while, you know, coming out and, yeah. and thanking JR and all of that stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm just on a uh, up week as far as my regard for CM Punk or whatever. Actually, you know what? The fact that he acknowledged what Brad Shepard said about Brody Lee at all um, maybe ruins the whole thing. Cause that's just stupid to do. Just don't give it any oxygen whatsoever. Brad Shepard is probably high as a kite right now that he got acknowledged on wrestling television with his like made up bullshit scoops and, you know, little Hannibal clickbait. I don't even know what the fuck these guys do. Like people fucking, if you have 200 followers, you should be ignoring these people. If you're CM Punk, you should be what we already talked about. Brad Shepard should not be a fucking uh, termite. No, a fucking lice on your ass. If you're CM <laughs> Punk, he, you should have no idea of the ex- existence of Brad Shepard. If he's not a freak in your DMs that you walk by on Coney Island, uh, I just inexplicable to me that you would like give that half a thought and then bring it to television and be like, I need to address this Twitter troll. Yeah. In retrospect, uh, I hated the promo. <laughs> Classic, uh, hardcore kid, uh, behavior from, from punk <sighs> here. Uh, someone's been, his friend has been disrespected and he must say so. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was just bad in that. We got to get uh, all these fucking people off Twitter, man. We got to get Twitter out yeah. of wrestling. I agree. I'm I'm stressing about it now. I'm furrowing my brow. <laughs> he is. I can confirm that he is. We we got my, my hands were on my temples. They were. We got to get rid of guys who grew up liking wrestling. Also in wrestling, I think that's part of this. We've got to go back to. No, I don't. I'm, I'm I don't like this talking point either. A lot of people are doing this too, and I don't like. No, it's true. We got to get rid of all the nerds who are in wrestling now. Don't like it anymore. I'm over it. I mean, it's it's nerds all the way down. You can't it, it, the society the the what's the the micro casting of culture has turned everyone into a nerd about something, and you you can't avoid it. Speaking of nerds, we had Christian narrow Cage casting. That's what I meant. Narrow casting, not micro casting. Christian Cage 
interrupted a promo uh, or an interview with Tony Schiavone interviewing the Lucha Brothers. Uh, he's mad. He says they cost him the match. So let's have a tag title match with Jurassic Express versus the Lucha Brothers. Penta says through our good friend Alex uh, that Christian sucks. And if Jungle Boy's the future, he should let go of the past. Good lines from Penta. Yeah, I thought this was really effective. You know, set up the match that we knew was about to happen. And, you know, I thought that everyone here was solid. Wardlow versus Colin Delaney wins with four power bombs, and uh, Spears gets a chair shot on the way out. It's sixing Wardlow to uh, like the same stuff he's doing on YouTube and just continuing that to having the sick tan building up this thing like in the rankings now. And Sean Spears is in his perfect role, the best role he's been in since uh, headshotting Cody. So, you know, I, th- I thought this was all pretty solid. I, I've thought of something to complain about here. Cool. Uh, trying to make Powerbomb Symphony a thing. That name doesn't work for me. It's no, no. you know, muscle orchestra. It's not poetic at all. No, too many syllables. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, n- not a bad thought. Good pitch. You know, I like the idea to go with uh, some kind of attempt at a poetic name for his sequence of moves. But, yeah, it's just not the one. It's not. Uh, but we've had a, a lot of Wardlow lately. Well, yeah, I you know, I thought they should start doing this where he powerbombs people a lot and starts getting face reactions for it. Uh, you know, spread it out. I mean, how long has he been in this company? Since the first pay-per-view when they put his vignette on? Is that right? Yep. You know, spread it out over like nine months until you're ready to push him and do the turn on MJF. Uh, but instead, he was just like not wrestling on TV at all. And then now he does it every single week. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to count it right now. But he's had five matches on TV in December. And before December, I think he had five matches on TV. I mean, you know, the rest of the year of 2021. Yeah. So yeah, obviously, like they're going. Just let it breathe a little bit. Let it breathe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just like too obvious, <laughs> you know, of like uh, uh, what's happening. Six. Okay, so he had six matches uh, before December, and he's had five matches Damn. on TV in December. That would have been so. a great stat if you'd been able to make those line up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you know what the 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 cage match with Hager doesn't count because that was MMA rules, so you can throw that one out. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, this was the backstage thing with Bucks Cole and Red Dragon that we talked about earlier. And then we went straight to Dan Lambert, Men of the Year in-ring thing where Brandy came out. And we got a video for the Adam Page-Brian Danielson match for next week. Nothing really new in the video package. Just, you know, reminding you that it'll be on TV next week. The... TBS tournament semifinal with Jade beating Thunder Rosa by Jaded and uh, Mercedes Martinez interfering, Ruby saving. We got a video for Britt and Riho. That match is coming up on Battle of the Belts. Then we had the Punk promo. 
Then we had Ricky Starks and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs backstage. Starks was glad JR's back, so Taz can get back to focusing on Team Taz and doing the technique of the week. And Starks is still mad at Dante. It reminds him that Hobbs beat Dante before. I like this a lot. I thought that it's something that Team Taz thinks are usually up and down, but I felt like that there's like a clear direction now with like hooks and Taz and Taz bringing back technique of Taz, but only applying it to hook, I think is a really funny uh, twist on that. And Hobbs's lines that he had here were, were sick as well. Like, like we're used to Ricky being a solid promo, but we don't get to see a lot of that always from Hobbs. And that was really cool to see. And I thought this was effective, you know, setting up uh, the, uh, the ongoing stuff for Team FTW or Team Taz. I always call it Team FTW. It's Team Taz. I apologize. I, I must have gotten up and gone to the restroom at this point. It appears my wife stole my notes and wrote uh, that she was saying goodnight. So everyone, Sarah <laughs> says goodnight. That's good night, Sarah. Sarah. Yes, she will not listen to this. Uh, Hikaru Shida pre-tape. She's going to beat Serena Deeb down again. The women's division is so funny because... It either just happens one off and you never know anything about it again, or it goes on for fucking eight months. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to complain about it this week just because uh, I was impressed by the number of video packages they did for w- different women's feuds. I think it was maybe one more than they had previously ever attempted to do. Um, so, yeah, I was like, hey, all right. You know, I, we know they're not going to give more than one match a week, so at least doing three other video packages is some kind of step forward. I mean, I guess so, but there's just like no stakes to any of these feuds. It's like, who, what, what's going to happen? What comes next? Well, if there was a uh, yeah. tag team title, we could have a tag team title match coming out of it. You know, I mean, I, I just think that it's something that the fact that they are, actually spinning plates and keeping things going when it used to be like, all right, the title feud and then a Brit feud at the same time is nice to see and something that is really overdue. Yeah. I'm just once bitten, twice shy as my good friends in fuck. I don't know what white snake. Is that a white snake song? Sounds like metal. It's glam metal, but I don't remember who it was. I think it's I think it's White Snake. I it, it's, it's great definitely white. I was very close. Great white, <sighs> not white snake. Rip. Uh Brian Pillman promo was next. Uh there was a blackout. Malachi Black was on the ramp. Another blackout. He was gone. Although people in the Discord said you could see him walking out of the tunnel when they brought the lights back up. I, I just so like not, how not much Brian Pillman was went house of black house of black house of black in this pro we did not yeah. talk about this earlier he fixated on that term and he thinks it's really cool which works really well yeah it ruled i'm gonna be walking into the house of black malachi I really and, and then like making reference to like basically his dad the entire time it's like i'll show you what it means to be brian pillman jr just great i like he said Never met my dad. I don't know what kind of man he was. As if he's like never heard anything about his father whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know what kind of man he was. And as I, if I he met has him. him. I, I, had, oh, I was gonna say, as if he 
<laughs> I, I was gonna say as if he wasn't a part of a major documentary about his dad earlier this year he does not know indeed. anything about his dad indeed uh there was a pre-tape for the acclaimed it involved max caster rubbing oil on anthony bowen's chest and anthony bowen's challenging darby and then we saw sting and darby and uh, darby said yes he would like to be involved in this professional wrestling match uh there was a the as Nate promised, another video for a, a women's feud, and it was uh, Ty J and Penelope and the Bunny, and setting up that they were going to be bringing some toys to Rampage, and apparently it's uh, it's quite the quite the fight, the street fight. Yeah, and then we now. had the main event: Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. And Adam Cole is what I wrote in my notes. That can't be true. That can't be what the match was. And Bobby Fish versus uh, the best friends at Orange Cassidy. Kyle pinned Chuck Taylor after chasing the dragon, plus Young Bucks interference. Uh, at some point, Kyle O'Reilly ran into Adam Cole. He was on the apron, knocked him off the apron after the match. Even though the Bucks interfered, they were also yelling at Kyle about the fact that he hit Adam Cole. I, I was just... Uh, seeing Kyle O'Reilly again for the first time in a couple of years and, and the way he like looks in his general calendar, he's so much of a baby gremlin that it made my night in a way. But, you know, it was cool to see, you know, Kyle O'Reilly doing his thing, you know, not showing the stink in the way that some people feared. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Like seeing Kyle again, so much of what makes guys interesting to me is like good looking offense and his offense still looks great. Um, I, they, I hope they just pull the trigger on whatever this Bucks, you know, undisputed era thing is going to be just, just rip the bandaid off and do whatever they're going to do with it and do it quickly. So we don't have to do, will they, or won't they for week after week after week? Um, cause yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if the listeners have picked up over the last <laughs> six months that I, uh, have gotten a little tired of that. Well, I, I would, I'm not betting that that one that's what happens i'm assuming we get whatever no. the match is going to be at revolution yeah i mean i think you know i think probably your typical AEW fan uh likes the way they've been doing these stories certainly it didn't hurt hangman certainly people were you know still very into the bucks and uh kenny and all that so i might, might be in the minority on it but that's how i feel i agree i mean I'm just hopeful it goes somewhere interesting. I don't want it to just be, if it just ends up with Cole teaming with uh, Red Dragon against the Bucks, that is not very interesting to me. That's just kind of like, okay, it's like the NXT team versus the Young Bucks. So I hope they do something more interesting than that. I think that's what you have to do. I don't know what is, I don't. is there a... Uh constellation of these five guys that's more interesting to you well i mean this nick was a discussion and bobby, in, the, in the discord nick and bobby versus adam and and matt well and kyle joins 2.0 and daniel garcia <laughs> yes <laughs> no this was i mean i, I know like there's only a, a there's a small universe of possibilities here but someone brought up in the discord you know that uh the bucks and cole that's like a nice act that's a good act you could if he's coming in i don't know but you could uh put gargano with red dragon 
maybe that's more interesting. And at least you still get the Bucks and Cole together. Uh, and I can ignore Bobby Fish and Johnny Gargano all at all at one time. I guess there's probably not a way to super satisfy me with it because ideally it's like the Bucks do whatever they do. And then Cole should obviously be a top featured like single star. Um, but really like Kyle O'Reilly should be getting to the point where if he's ever going to get any sort of real singles push in a promotion, uh, then they should start working on that. But I, this I, I, would they're be just going to do one. red dragon. I think, yeah, they're just going to do red dragon. Cause, uh, why else have Bobby fish? So, I mean, that's, you know, red dragon versus the Bucks. They at least have to do once as we talked about last week. Um, but yeah, you know, if they can do Red Dragon versus Santana Ortiz, Red Dragon versus these other teams, that would be, I guess, an improvement over doing well there, won't they? Every week. Yeah, I, I guess I'm a little bit more positive just for the uh, the sake of I'm interested to see Red Dragon kind of again versus what this era of Young Bucks is versus the stuff we saw before in Ring of Honor and New Japan. So that that's kind of interesting to me in a way. And if this is going to be the, the chance for Kyle, wouldn't this fee, this whole entire thing with Adam Cole be like the big uh, rocket fuel if he's the person to get like the first win on Adam Cole during this? Like I feel like that there is something to get out of the will they, won't they, at least with uh, Kyle and Cole if you're taking the idea that they're proposing that this might be the time to see if Kyle if Kyle is that figure. I mean, I said on light that I see him as a singles probably topping out TND title, but being able to get like that first win on Adam Cole in a promotion that cares about that sort of thing, that could be the impetus that what you're proposing could happen, Nate. Yeah. And I think, you know, TNT title would be a great place for him to top out at really uh, when you see, you know, like that's level Cody's at and Cody takes up so much oxygen on the show. Uh, I mean, they're never going to give Kyle O'Reilly that much oxygen, but um I don't know. I guess Cole and O'Reilly is what they're they kind of tried to set up with this promo and that angle on this match on this show. I just don't really buy it. Um they did it in Ring of Honor like two or three times. Um uh, and it just resulted in like the quietest Tokyo Dome match of all time. And I just don't really buy it between those guys for whatever reason. Um so I don't know that it would authentically heat up Kyle O'Reilly, but I don't know what other scalp he goes and gets that would heat him up in a in a single sort of way. So I don't really have a solution for anyone. Sorry if you're listening for one. <laughs> but uh, this, is, um, this is just a very much, this is how I am in my feelings today kind of show. Well, but as I was listening uh, to you work through your feelings, it just seems to me that Adam Cole is is kind of the odd man out in a in a way because yeah. he feels bigger than anything else that's happening and I'm not sure obviously he has to be involved because of you know various um previous ties that he has to things but it's like there's really that's why there's not a satisfying result to this because Cole should just be a big top single star and not necessarily worried about uh this tag team feud that's going to be happening yeah and i think that's kind of why you 
wanted to watch Gargano in there because I would have the person naturally for Cole, you know, to, to like fill out the side so it's not a pentagram, it's a sense a hexagon. I'm sorry, pentagon, <laughs> not hexagon. I I just I would be genuinely mad to see Kyle O'Reilly be the first person to beat Adam Cole. That would make me mad. <laughs> I would not be happy about that. <laughs> this Cole, is what yeah. happens when I don't you're know Cole built. I am. I, I guess it should be build. Jungle Boy. I feel like maybe it should just still be Jungle Boy. <laughs> if it if it's going to be someone like Jungle Boy, it should not happen for several years. Hmm. No, yeah, no. The wrestling moves quicker than that. Um, several years. We're already three years into Jungle Boy is like a young upstart. Yeah, but Cole is like light years ahead of that guy as a as an act. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about first first loss, right? He's not going to be remain undefeated for several years. Did you say first loss? Uh, no, I'm not necessarily saying his first loss. I'm just saying like to be like the guy who's like, oh, I beat Adam Cole, and now I'm. Oh. being catapulted up. All right. All right. Well, that was Dynamite for this week. If you like our show, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We've got lots of shows there. World Tour will be back this weekend with Mike and I talking about Rampage. We've got our show about uh, Dark and Elevation and previewing Dynamite. we got the BTE vlog quick hits. We've got lots of other bonus shows. Coming up soon, we'll have our 2021 awards That'll be coming out. Well, man, we haven't recorded it yet, but it'll probably be coming out soon. As soon as we record it, uh, we have a Discord. So you want to do that? And we've done. Uh, I did the show about Starcade. Mike did the Ring of Honor tea breaks. We got lots of content over on the Patreon. Uh, three tiers. Check them out. Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. All right, Rampage uh, at Daily's Place being recorded. TNT title match: Cody Rhodes versus Ethan Page. Darby Allen versus Anthony Bowens and the match we've already talked about a lot, Penelope Ford and the bunny versus Ty Conti and Anna J. So that's what Mike and I'll be talking about on world tour this weekend. <laughs> Mike, I see you lurking in that Excel document. Yeah. Uh, it, it's you and Nate. I'm off this week. Oh, we both opened it. I saw his little, his little blue box come up that we have the shared document. I was like, ah, yeah, it, you got the same thought. It, it's because I have to remember things. I have a giant calendar to like written down to say things like this. I did not have world tour for then. So that's why I was that way. No, yeah. You guys just did the last one. Okay. Well, there you go. Me and Nate coming up this weekend. Um, And then dynamite next week is, in oh, Aaron, you've joined the Excel spreadsheet. Nice to see you. <laughs> I have. I had to check it out for myself. Uh, TBS debut, of course. Page versus Danielson 2. Ruby Soho versus Jay Cargill for the TBS title. Malachi Black versus Brian Pillman Jr. And the tag title match. The Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express. So uh, lots of big things for the TBS debut. We'll preview that on Light on Wednesday morning if you're on the Patreon and we'll be back next Wednesday night to talk about it after it happens. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review. Go check out linktra.ee slash everything AEW and subscribe at patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. 
We'll see you next week. Okay.